0: Your Bibles out. We're getting ready to get in this word. Amen. Well, I, I, I what, a, what a powerful Sunday we had last week. Can I get an amen? Uh, man, I, I, I didn't even see that when we were getting ready for that. And, and Tiff and I got home on Sunday, and we were talking about all the hell that broke loose trying to get to that Sunday. And now I know why. Because, man, God moved sovereignly in this place. Lives were radically touched as you continue to choose. But, man, I've got a word for you today. So open up your Bibles to the book of Isaiah, chapter 9 verse 6. The book of Isaiah, chapter 9, verse 6. If you don't know where it is, look in your table of contents. God is not mad at that. I hope you charged your phones if you use your phone Bible, Uh, but whatever that is, let's get that word together. And Pastor, why are you so adamant about us seeing the word? You're going to put it on the screen anyway. Well, listen, you don't get to take my TVs and my big screen home with you. Can I get an amen? You got to know where it is for yourself. If it's just on my TVs and my screens, you're never going to commit it to your heart. And I want you to be able to find it in your Bibles because I believe in the Word of God. Isaiah chapter 9, if you got it, say, I got it. If you don't say, help me. Well, God, the Lord is still helping. Amen. He's a present help in times of trouble. Amen. The book of Isaiah chapter 9, it says this. Here it comes. You ready? For unto us a child is born, and unto us a son is given. And the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. In a season where it seems that we might have lost so much, in a season of doubt and confusion, in a season of unrest, I have come this morning to remind you at the end of this year before we celebrate another Christmas, for unto us... A child is born unto us, a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. I'm going to keep doing it till you get it. This piece of scripture has been resting in our Bibles and overlooked, reserved for the Christmas season for decades, for ages. This is what we've come back to. We come and read this scripture because we want to be reminded of his birth. How about we stop being reminded of his birth and be reminded that he is living and breathing and moving in the hearts of believers? How about we stop putting him back into a status of having an awe moment of a baby being born in a manger and actually allow him to live, to dwell, to reside on the inside of each one of us? This is not just a scripture to be read on Christmas. This is a declaration in this hour. One that should be on the tip of our tongues. One that should be buried in the very depths of our souls. One that should be quoted every time you get an unfavorable report. Every time a loved one is sick. Every time you get another phone call about your child's school. Every time you watch the news and wonder what's really going on. This set of scriptures should be declared, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. For some reason, we are really good today in culture to speak everything that is contrary to that declaration right there. We speak death and gloom. We speak pain and agony. We speak worry and doubt. We cry out in fear rather than in faith. And we wonder why God is not moving like he did in the old days because we are not operating like they did in the old days. We are operating under, under, under the comforts of our own flesh. We cry out to him when it gets the worst. We don't even talk to him when things are good. We don't declare these statements on the consistent. We only declare them when we're in pain and agony and we have to change something in our mouth. What would happen if we actually lived this every day? If you woke up in the morning and you saw the news and you said, and the government shall be upon his shoulders. What would happen if tomorrow morning you woke up and, and instead of calling everybody about your problems, instead of telling everybody about your struggles, you got something changed in your mouth. And instead of wondering where God went, you would just call him wonderful. Instead of seeking everybody's opinions on Facebook and social media and trying to create a pity party for yourself and your own existence, maybe you would go to him as your counselor rather than man as your counselor. Maybe, just maybe, he would become the mighty God in your life, not the weak excuse for your lack of existence. Maybe, just maybe, he'd become the everlasting father, not the walking out father. Maybe he'd become your prince of peace. This morning, I want to break this scripture down because I believe we have to get this in our spirit as we close out a year. It's, forget the Christmas moment. Forget that Christmas is just five days away. Forget that we're stepping into trees full of presents and time with families. Forget all of that stuff. Let's, let's step into a place that you've got literally, what, today's the 20th? 31 days in December, so you have 11 days. I've told you for the last three weeks, you got days. Why, Pastor, why would you say you got days? You got days to get some things straight because I believe how we walk into 2021 is how we'll see God in 2021. If we wait till the last minute to the truck to the to the moment of the ball falling or whatever's gonna fall this year, uh, uh what, what the corona ball, whatever, I don't know. But what but if we wait till the last moment, if we wait till the last minute to get it right, you might miss the moment. You might miss what God has been trying to prepare you for. And I'm gonna say this to you, and I can't even get into what I'm preaching in the weeks to come, but I'm telling you, I have such an expectation of the greatness of God in 2021, and I'm not talking about that being a church thing, or oh, Pastor's got a little cute declaration, it's gonna be 2021 it's going to be blah 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 no i'm not creating some little cliche statement i have an expectancy that the next thing from god is coming in 2021 but we got to get some things straight first in us i receive that over there amen raise a child amen let's break this scripture down y'all ready says in for in the first part of verse six it says for unto us a child is born Unto us a son is given. Now, this speaks to a lot of volume, and I think sometimes we miss this because Jesus' coming was not just something that God just decided, oh, here we go, let me do this. No, it was already planned. It was purposed. God had a purpose to sending Jesus. He, he didn't just do it like, oh, I don't know what else. No, he had a purpose to this. And, and it, was, it was prophetically spoken before Jesus ever came. The Messiah was to come and deliver us. He says, for unto us a child is born, which speaks to the fact that he would be born. That it wasn't just going to appear like just like a full-grown man pop out of the sky, but he would be born. Why? Because we understand life comes through birth. He did things on purpose so that we could connect to it. So we could find relationship with it. He says, unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. Biblically, it says that a son would be presented to the children of Israel. A son of the father would be presented. He, he has this relational aspect through the Messiah that he's doing this so that you can understand that I'm bringing something to you because I see where you are. What a great God that we serve that sees us where we are and brings in the tools needed to get us out. Watch this. He says, it's, it's, he says, unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. The word given can also be referred to as a gift. But here's the problem. A gift is not received until it's been unwrapped. I, I, there's a struggle in me that on the holidays where folk come to church because it's Christmas or Easter... Rather than having unwrapped the present, the baby wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a major and applied it to the relationships of your own life and begin to walk with him and talk with him and have relationship rather than leaving him there. And then when Christmas is over, packing him up, putting him in a box, putting him in the garage and waiting till next Christmas to put him back out on the floor. It's amazing to me we got to pull out the nativity scene. Can I just say this to you? And I'm not knocking your nativity scenes, but stop putting your nativity scene away in your heart and revisiting it on Sundays or on the new year or on the next Christmas. Stop waiting to the next minute. At some point, we've got to move beyond that. His gift has been waiting for you to unwrap it, and yet we keep boxing it back up, and God's saying, no, I gave it to you so you could have it. Have you opened the gift yet? Or does it just look cute under the tree? Have you opened the gift yet, or does it just look cute under the tree? Watch this. When we we start putting presents under the trees, I don't know about your kids, but let me tell you how my kids operate. They look to see which is the biggest box. And then they want to know whose name is on it. Because they think size matters. Truth be told, dad's a trickster. And I like to take really small presents. Put them in really big boxes just to mess with their heads. Welcome to my role as a father. Amen. And so they're, they're looking and, they're, and they're, they're trying to figure out what's on the inside. But you can ask my son, the power of the gift is not valued until it's been opened. It can be a big box. It could be a small box. But the value of the gift is inside the box. And it has only the value of paper and a box until it has been opened and received. Let me help you with this. The value of Christ in your life. Only takes hold. When you open the gift. And you apply it into your existence. And you walk with it. And talk with it. And let it be a part of your life. Can I just say this to you as a sidebar? Please once again. Stop pulling out Christmas. Once a year. Let Christmas. Or Christ-mas. More. Of Christ move in you for unto us a child is born unto us a city a son is given and I love what it goes here and I'm not going to try to get too political but here it comes ready and the government will be upon his shoulder and the government Will be upon his shoulder. This is all for you, Trumpers, Bideners, Republicans, Democrats, Libertarians, whatever you choose to call yourself. I choose to call myself a believer, so you can choose to call yourself whatever you want to call yourself. Because my kingdom, the my president, my Godhead is the Father, not one who's placed in office. God appoints kings and magistrates, but I do not rest on the decisions of people. I trust in the God that I serve. I rest upon his promises. Let me just say this to you as another sidebar. How can you be so caught up in politics? and ignore the book that was given before anybody was ever president. We have this issue. And then we go, God, where are you? Because here's the problem. We have not let God become the headship of the government. We've made people, man, the headship of government. And we've put our faith, our trust, our hope, our endurance, our our future, and everything else into a man rather than trusting that God, the one who formed you in your mother's womb, the one who breathed the very breath of life into your body, the one who is the start and the finisher of your faith, the alpha to the omega, he is still in control. He has not gone to sleep for the Bible to he neither slumbers nor sleeps. Yeah. Come on, so when you get on the news, whether you watch CNN, MSNBC, CNBC, Fox News—I don't care what you watch. Whatever you're watching, and whatever you're doubting, and whatever you're fearing, I want you to be reminded. It doesn't matter who the president is. What matters is the Bible says that Jesus on His shoulders shall rest the government. People yeah. yeah. go, right. Pastor, how could you say that? Because my word says it. You'd probably have a better Christmas if you realized Jesus was in control and not you. I'm just trying to help a little bit. If I could just get to the election. If I could just get... If you could just put Jesus as the king of your life. If you could let him become Messiah. If you could actually walk with him and just let him be yours and you be his. And stop whining and complaining and bickering and murmuring and cutting people off because they don't think like you. They don't vote like you. They don't blah, 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 blah. Oh. He says the government shall rest on his shoulders, not in your opinions, not in your fears, doubts, and worries. He shall be king and wear that kingly robe that was placed on him so that he could be the authority. See, it gets quiet when you say stuff like this. Because we're stuck in what we see, not who he is. We are led by sound gonna we'll prove it to you. I'll prove it to you. We're led by sound. I'll prove that to you real quick. The other day we were walking through the Walmart parking lot and a car alarm went off. Now, how many of y'all remember when car alarms came out? Y'all remember when car alarms came out? You were cool if you had a car alarm. Y'all remember that? You're like, whoa, you must be money. You got a car alarm. You young bucks, y'all don't know y'all. That's all y'all have ever known is car alarms. Amen. We're talking, about, we're talking about bag phones and brick phones. And yeah. some of y'all go back there with me for just a second. And, uh, and, 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 yeah, and if you use that phone in the car, it was like 32 cents a minute in that car. That's how big baller you had to be to have one of those phones. And, and uh, uh, we were walking through the park and I was with my daughter the other night, and, and a car alarm went off. And something hit me. It didn't even register me that a car alarm was going off. Just kept on walking. It didn't even affect me. Y'all remember when car alarms first came out? If a car alarm went off, you're like, somebody's breaking in somebody's car. We got to figure out who it is. Kid'! It could have just been a false alarm. But we all panicked. We were led by sound. Let me say this to you. We are done the same way today by the amount of stuff that we allow or introduce into our ear canals to lead us and guide us into things that have nothing to do with the future and the presence and the power and the might that God wants to demonstrate in our life. We are led by noises of people rather than the noise of the word of God. We are led. We have to be led by his presence and not by our opinions. We have to be led by his desire to govern, not our desires to tell God how to govern. And the government will be on his shoulders. So let me just say this before we get to the next whatever. Pastor, aren't you worried about the Senate election in Georgia? No, I'm not. Aren't you worried that the Democrats could take over? No, I'm not. See, people go, how do you do that? How can you just, just disconnect from it all? Because I don't serve man, I serve God. I am not, I am in this world, but not of this world. See, if we don't, we, we, oh, Pastor, that's you being holy roller. You're being one of those super, super Christians. Well, maybe it's time for you to join the club. Maybe it's time for you to stop dabbling one foot and dabbling one foot in the other and just commit to one space and say, hey, look, I don't know why it's happening, but I trust him. I'll say this again. I said it a couple weeks ago. I had a conversation with somebody, and they asked me if I was concerned. I said, no. I said, I think this is the greatest moment for the church. Why? Because I think the church is finally going to wake up. Stop sleeping. It says, and the government will be on his shoulders. Can you all just do me a favor? Put your politics down and pick your Bibles up. Amen. Amen. And here it goes. Here it goes. And his name will be called. Stop. Stop right there. Because everybody wants us to get into Scripture, but we need to stop right there. The word called is defined as this to cry out in a loud voice, to speak loudly as to attract attention, to shout or to cry. And his name will be whispered. Hmm. And his name will be murmured. Mm -mm. And his name shall be silent. Mm -mm. It says, and his name shall be called. Well, who's gonna have to do the calling? Don't look at me like a bunch of Presbyterians this morning. Who's going to call him? He's not going to call himself. He knows who he is. Here's the problem in the church today. Here it comes. Nobody's calling anymore. Nobody's calling anymore. The only time we call on God is when it all falls apart. Rather than waking up this morning and going, Jesus, and his name shall be called. Man, listen, when I was a kid and my mama was driving, this is back in the days that your kids didn't wear seatbelts. Amen. Amen. My mama was the seatbelt. Y'all ain't had parents like that? Getting to wreck. I still have tendencies to do that with my kids, and they're buckling. And they're like, ha ha. Okay. And 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 I remember we were driving in a VW bug. I was probably six years old. We were going over into Chefman Tour. We lived in New Orleans East as kids, and we were going over the bridge, and something happened. And my mom's arm came across her like this. Came across me like this in the front seat, and she said, "What? Jesus." Jesus. She didn't go. Jesus. She. Jesus. She went. Jesus. Now, why would she cry out aloud? Because she understands that when you call on the name of the Lord, He is commanded, He has to move. Okay, here's the struggle. We have gotten real good at calling everything else but Jesus. Come on, work with me for a second. Yeah, we we go and we go through things and we don't get what we want. We go complaining and whining and fuzzing with so-and-so that like me and blah 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 blah. And you're like, shut up. Call on Jesus. There's this video that we watched all the time with these two little girls. And she they're sitting in the car with their mom's car and they're filming themselves. And, and, and she said, talking about somebody broke up with you. Don't call Tyrone, call Jesus. <laughs> stop, stop calling everybody else. Call on Jesus. Because it's the only thing that's going to change anything. When your body is in pain, who are you calling? Call, her. call Jesus. When, when your marriage isn't working, I know this is going to be a hard one. Here it comes. When your marriage isn't working and your marriage is not not handling the way it's supposed to be and things aren't working the way, and instead of you talking to everybody else, why don't you just take 10 minutes and call Jesus? When your kids are lost, here it comes. Stop calling all your family to get involved and call the one who built your family. Call Jesus. To cry out in a loud voice. To cry out in a loud voice. There is a problem when the church has gone dormant and silent. Somebody says, Pastor, why are you so loud all the time? Because I've got a calling on the inside of me. And that calling is not quiet. It is loud. It is ah. Why? Because I used to be broken, and when I was broken, I was quiet. And when I was quiet, I was shy. And when I was shy, I didn't talk very much, and I just hid, and I didn't look at people. Now there's something that lives on the inside of me that makes me want to cry out aloud, wants me to wants me to call on Jesus consistently. So when I'm waking up in the morning, oh, my body's in pain. Oh, I don't know how I'm gonna make it. Jesus, wherever you are, that's where I'm coming. My body might not get there, but but I'm coming to you because if I know if I get next to you, you are the healer, and if I get next to you, you're gonna bring healing to my body. I'm not gonna call out the pain I'm gonna call on the one who can deliver me from the pain. That <sighs> we could just sit right here in this portion of scripture all morning long, just until you get it through your heart and your mind and your mouth that you need to open up and start calling on Jesus. Stop calling on him when you're in sin. Maybe if you called on him before you got in sin, you'd not fallen into sin. Sidebar. To cry out in a loud voice to cry out in a loud voice, and his name will be cried out in a loud voice right. to attract attention. Pastor, I don't, I don't like attention. I don't, I, don't like, I don't like people looking at me. Well, then you're doing it so people can see you rather than people see God. I don't stand up here to cry out these things so you can see me and think I'm great. I do this so that you might see God, yeah. so that you might hear his voice so that you may operate in his commands, not mine. These are not my commandments. These are his commandments. These are his ways. These are his plans. It's time for you to cry out. And he goes, and he shall be called wonderful. Mm. When was the last time you told God he was wonderful? Yeah. Uh, I told him this morning He's wonderful, God. Pastor, I, I do it every morning. Do you? You know, it's always amazing is when I get to a point like this, how many people in the church go, I, I do it all the time. Until until. Because he's wonderful a lot of times until. As long as everything is working on my behalf, he's a wonderful God. But the problem is, is that we have ill-defined the word wonderful because you think the word wonderful has something to do with you. The word wonderful has nothing to do with you. Let me prove it. The word wonderful is defined as this, to be excellent, great, or marvelous, watch, here it comes, to be full of wonder. The word wonder is defined as this, to be filled with admiration, amazement, or awe, to be marveled. Now watch, if he's wonderful, how can you be? Because you would have to have pride and ego moving through you if you were wonderful. But when he becomes wonderful, then you understand your place under his kingship, and he shall be called wonderful, to be filled. I am filled with admiration and amazement, or awe. There used to be a thing in the church called awe and trembling. I don't know if you understand that. That's in your Bible, awe and trembling. That's in Scripture. We don't do that anymore. What do we do? We do, give me, give me, give me, 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 me. God, what you got for me under the tree this year? What if God didn't put anything under the tree for you this year? What if God says I'm enough? Right. See, see, somebody said to me, said, Pastor, what if you finish this and there is no heaven? Are you mad at God? Are you kidding me? In Him I live, move, and have my being. Amen. If God never does one thing for me, if God never moves one more inch for me, is He enough? And the only reason he would not be enough is because we have lost the awe of who he is. We are no longer amazed by who he is. We are only amazed by the tricks he'll perform in the future. We're only amazed by the handouts he'll give us when we cry out or when we scream and throw our temper tantrums and kick ourselves and pound the floor until he gives us what he wants. Let me help you with something. Whatever you get out of your temper tantrum moment in the kingdom of God is not God. It is what you asked for. Don't be mad when it doesn't work on your behalf. And please, can I just say this to you? Stop calling everything you get that you got on your own. Quit calling it God's blessings. Because those things are temporal and they'll fade. But the, the blessings that God brings are eternal. They're for the edification of not only yourself, but for the body of believers as a whole. God does not function on your timelines, your guidelines, or your wants and desires. He functions on the body as a whole. And when he blesses you, it is not just to bless you. It is to bless everyone that is connected to you. God does not move in ones. He moves in multitudes. Have you, Did you not see Jesus? He didn't move in ones, baby. He moved in multitudes. When he healed the sick, it caused multitudes to change. When he touched the harlot, it caused multitudes to change. When he fed the 5,000, it caused multitudes to change. Jesus doesn't move in singles. He moves. So do you understand this? If Jesus is coming and you're in awe of him, you will finally understand that your movement is his movement. And it is to affect change in the greater good, not just your house. For some reason, we'll only invite him out of our house because we want to hoard him rather than give him. We want to keep him to ourselves. You know, I've learned this over the years. The reason God is so strong in my house is because I'm really good at giving him away. Because the more I give him away, the greater comes in. The more I empty, the greater fulfillment I have. If I hold him to myself, then I don't see the fulfillment of it in my house because I'm just keeping it. There's that that dumb song we used to sing, and I do call it dumb. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. (laughs) Biblically, that's not even in your Bible. I don't know if you realize that yet. That song, those lyrics, that statement, it's not even biblical. He calls himself an all-consuming fire. There is no this little light of mine. God is not a big lighter that has a fuel tank that runs out. They're going, can I, it's not even the notes. It used to bother me. It still bothers me. Do y'all remember that part? Won't let Satan it out. I'm going to let it shine. Not a little light, you're not. There it went again. There it went again. God, why does it keep going out? Because you haven't let him come in and become your all-consuming fire. See, man, when you're in awe of him, he takes over. Over. He takes over. And he says, listen, I'm going to burn up everything that's of you. And I'm going to let everything that's of me live on the inside of you. Wonderful. Is he wonderful to you? Are you full of wonder when he comes in? Or are you trying to get him to make you wonderful? I don't want to be wonderful. There's a thing God gave me years ago. It, it, it's, it's what I, I talk to a lot of guys about a lot of times. It's called the Superman mentality. Um, there, there's a problem with us trying to become great. When the Bible says that he's great and greatly to be praised. There's a struggle in us that his culture has told us that you need to be great. This is not a Tony the Tiger moment. This is not your moment to be shine or to shine and to everybody see you. You need to understand that there is only one that is great, that is God. You were never intended to be great. God is the great one. God says you can have great moments, but you better live your life as Clark can. Stop trying to be Superman all the time. Because if you try to be great all the time, you are taking his position from your existence. Let him be the great one. You operate the way God's called you to be, and watch how he operates greatly in your life. Wonderful. Are you in awe this morning? His name shall be called Wonderful. Oh, here it comes. Counselor. Counselor, one who gives advice or advises. Counselor. Now, I'm going to say this because this, this gets weird in the church sometimes because I know that we all want an answer to things in life. Or we want to communicate to people that will talk back to us. And if we don't feel like God's moving fast enough, we need to go seek counsel from somebody else. This is the greatest bit of advice I've ever been able to give as a pastor over the years. And that is when people come and say, Pastor, can we meet? Do you read your word? No. Do you, do you pray? No. Let's do those two things first, and then we can talk. But, Pastor, I need an answer. I don't know what you think you're going to get from me. Because I'm probably going to give you the same thing that's in that Bible. Because before we meet, I'm going to be in prayer. And I'm not coming with my opinions. I'm coming with the Word. I'm bringing Him into the meeting. So when you come into the meeting and you go, wow, where did you get that from? Ha-ha, I got it from the Word. You could have gotten it on your own. You didn't really need me. Where is it that we have created this culture that the church needs the position and opinion of the pastor to function. So watch what happens. Pastor slips and falls, the whole church fails. Pastor dies, the church crumbles. <laughs> what are we going to do? Listen, when we were in a building back in the day, <laughs> oh, Jesus, um, the church that we took over, the pastor died. And when we took over the building and moved into the building, some, of, some people in the old church wanted to create a mausoleum of his office. In other words, leave his office the exact way it was, put a piece of plexiglass over the door so that the old church folk could come in and view his office the way it was when he died. Are you kidding me right now? You best believe that moment I heard, I was like, "Ah, that's not happening. We're moving forward. Because people were committed to the man. They were committed to an opinion rather than the word. They were committed to a gathering of people rather than a kingdom that God was calling his bride. They were committed to things that were out of the abnormal. They weren't counseling with God. They were counseling with a man. You'll try to keep dead things alive when you counsel with people. But when you counsel with God, people can leave and God's still on the throne. Sometimes we got to stop all this. Doesn't mean I won't sit down and talk with you. I love a good cup of coffee. Hope you had yours this morning. Amen. I love a good sit down and chatting and talking about where you are and what's going on in your life. And trust me, I try to listen way more than I talk. I try. I do say I try because sometimes the preacher just comes out and I my wife's like, babe, you got it. I'm like, I I, I don't know what to do. Okay. But I'd really because I want to hear what God's doing in your life. I don't need you to hear. I tell you every week what he's doing in my life. I want to hear what's happening with you. I want to hear what God's sharing with you. But here's the thing. When you say, Pastor, what do you think? Nine times out of ten, I'm going to say, will you give me some time to pray about that? Because I'm not going to knee-jerk a relationship with you or knee-jerk a response with you so that you feel better about the moment you're in. Hey, let me me pray about it. And let me tell you something. Sometimes I've said things that I thought were right, and then when I went to pray, God was like, hey, I need you to rewind and fix that. And then I have to go back and go, look, my bad. I let my opinions get a hold uh, ahead of what God wanted to do in the moment. So I have to go to him as my counselor. Okay, let me give you one more piece. I do not counsel with my wife. I counsel with God and then tell my wife. Pastor, here's the crazy part. Every time I counsel with God first, she already knows when I walk in the room. It's the craziest thing. It is the craziest thing that we have started to do. I go to God in prayer. And by the time I'm done in prayer and go, hey, babe, can I talk to you? She's already on the same page that I'm on, and we're just in agreement. But if I go to her to counsel, then here's the problem. We're still both don't know which way we're going, and now we both have to go to God about it. As the as the, priest, as the Bible calls the man the priest and king of his home, that doesn't say call you the dictator and overruler, the priest and king of your home, you should always counsel with God first. And ladies, don't be offended by that. You should be really excited about that. Because they won't have to come to you and go, I don't know what to do. They'll come and go, hey, listen, man, I've been praying, and this is what God has been speaking to me about. You're now leading your home in the things of God rather than leading your home in the things of your opinions and then needing someone to come alongside to agree with your opinions. Right. Lead in the things of God. Let him become your counselor. He is our counselor. Matthew 11:28 28 through 30 says this. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Look at what it says. It says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. He didn't say, hey, listen, go to your pastor. All you that are weak, labor, are heavy laden, and he'll give you rest. I hate to break this to y'all. I can't give you rest. I slept three hours last night. I ain't giving you no rest today. Why do you think I drank so much coffee this morning? Why do you think I'm pumped right now? Because I'm running on caffeine. When this is over, I'm going to be like, I'm going to fall out when it's all over. Do not come and ask me for rest. I barely get it. I got four kids. I got two who like to crawl in my bed every night. Daddy, daddy, daddy. They don't wake up mama. They wake up daddy. Daddy, 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 daddy. Daddy, I got the one that walks to the edge of the bed and just goes like this. And then you look at it and it scares the mess out of you because he's still staring at you like this. (laughs) Bruh, what is that? Trust me, I don't have any rest to give you, but I can tell you who can. I know the one who does, because when I finally fell asleep at 430 this morning and got back up at six this morning. I woke up without any problems. Do you want to know why? Because what I went to bed on was the word. Oh, I'm trying to help you. See, See what I was doing last night was I was going over my notes, and there were things that God was adding to my notes last night. And so as I was writing these things, I actually ended up falling asleep in my chair while I'm writing. And 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 you go, Pastor, you, you failed. No, no, I just fell into sweet sleep, sweet rest. And and then I, I ended up crawling into bed at 4.30 this morning. The alarm went off at 6. I didn't go, oh, God, I'm so tired. Oh, I can't wait till Sirocco coffee gets to the church. I need my caffeine. I need my donuts. Oh, Jesus, help me. No, I just got up and said, hey, we're going to go. And then I looked at my son. I said, hey, we're we're gonna wait till the coffee gets here because I'm not going to Starbucks and spending more money. We already got them here. Praise the Lord. And 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 listen, ah, mm, I'm just trying to help you. When, when you consult him, when you allow him to be your counsel, when you allow him to lead and direct you, man, I'm telling you, he he orchestrates things you couldn't do on your own. If can I just say this? If you have a financial problem, okay, I'm gonna say this because it's Christmas. Because everybody's got financial problems during Christmas. Because you spend too much. Amen. That that was your one rebuke for Christmas. That's just what it was. If you're trying to buy your children's happiness, it will fail you every time. Um, Oh, Brian, please be careful this morning. Anybody in this room ever bought Christmas presents because of the joy that you would receive when they opened it? I remember when we first got married and we had kids, man, we hooked Judah up on his first Christmas. Boy, that boy was getting everything. He said, facts. (laughs) Not no more. Amen. Because what happened was, is what I realized is what I was trying to give him, what my parents didn't give me. And what I was trying to do was buy his happiness. And by his joy and by his peace, I was trying to purchase the things that only God could grant him. And so what we did is, when more we started praying, God said, here's the thing. And this is what we do in our house, and I'm not trying to put this on you. We only give our kids three presents. Here's why. Jesus got three. Why do you think you're better? Now, they're good presents. Don't get it twisted. We, we do good stuff in our house, but, but, but we stop at three. You, know, you don't have like 12 presents? What do you need 12 presents for, you selfish, greedy individual? the more I have, the better I feel. No, the more you have, the more garbage you have because you'll put it up and put it somewhere or throw it away or trash it because we don't respect what we don't purchase ourselves. Or we buy that one present for our kids that we're like, man, I've waited the whole year to buy this one present and they play with it for an hour and then they put it up and go, I don't like it. Ooh, ooh, ooh come here. Come here, you're playing with that toy. Come here. Okay. Sorry, I had to vent for a second. It's Christmas time, I gotta get it out. My son's over here going, oh, God, help. <laughs> He's got to become your counselor. you got to let him become your counselor. You got to let him become your counselor. If you can't let him become your counselor, you're going to follow your own opinions. And your own opinions will kill you. Your own thoughts will kill you. Trust me, your own thoughts will destroy you. Get out of your head and get into his way of doing things. He said he shall be called wonderful. Counselor, let me say one quick thing. Some, some people try to put wonderful and counselor both in the same space. It is not. It is two individual words. I've heard it said both ways. I've heard people pause in between wonderful and counselor, and I've had them say wonderful counselor. It is not, he is not a wonderful counselor. He is wonderful and a counselor. Until you are in awe of him, he can never counsel you. Until you have amazement in who he is, you will never respect his ability to counsel you and to lead and guide you. So he has to become wonderful. Then he becomes counselor. And once he becomes your counselor, he steps into the next role, and he shall be called mighty God. The word mighty is defined as this, to be great in amount, extent, degree, or importance. So watch. He becomes in awe of my life. I am in awe of who he is, which which gives him the access to become the counselor to my existence. And the more he counsels me, the more I find out how mighty he is. The more I find out how great in amount, extent, degree, or importance, how exceptional God is. We allow Him to be mighty in our lives by how we view Him and how we speak about Him. When was the last time you said your God was a mighty God? Come on, just work with me for a second. The Bible says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks what you speaks what you speak creates if you don't believe that then you don't believe the word because the bible says that god spoke the universe and everything in it into existence he spoke it he didn't form it he spoke it He called it out of his mouth. And if that same power that rests in God now rests on you, what do you think your mouth has the power to do? The Bible even goes as far as to say that life and death is in the power of the tongue. What you speak creates. When was the last time you told God he was a mighty God? Let me tell you something. He's not mighty because he's not counseling you. And he's not counseling you because you're not in awe of who he is. God becomes mighty in my life when I'm in awe and I allow him to counsel. He now demonstrates who he is. See how these things start to work together? We miss it because we just want to pick pieces. Because right now I need him to be a a mighty God. I I need a counselor now. I I, I want him to be wonderful. No, he's got to, it all works together. One hands off to the next. Wonderful. Counselor. Mighty God. Here it comes. Everlasting Father. Everlasting Father. The word everlasting is defined as this. To last forever or lasting forever. To be eternal. He is the everlasting. Lasting Father. Now, this statement kind of throws people off because people who don't understand the Trinity, God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, all three are one. There are three distinct movements of God, but they are all one. But a lot of times people don't put the two together. They don't put that Jesus is operating in the heart of the Father. <laughs> that he's moving by the heart of the Father. He's not moving in his own accord. He is the everlasting Father. Now, why does it say that Jesus... Is it, Why does it say that God is the everlasting Father? Here's why. Because you and I identify a Father by what we see, can touch, and feel. We do not walk around in calling air our Father. <laughs> we have to identify to something. And so God sends Jesus, and he says he will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father. In other words, I will bring someone into existence into your life that will be the greatest thing and will never leave you or forsake you. He will be an eternal father. Now watch this. For those of you in this room that are fatherless or claim fatherlessness, you are not unless you really believe that. Because where man fails, God steps in. And God says, I'm going to send Jesus. I'm going to give him all these names, and you will call him your everlasting father, which means he is a father that cannot fail. He is a father that is eternal. He is a father that brings rewards to his kids. Listen, I'm a fatherless kid. You go, Pastor, you had fathers. I did, but I didn't have the identification of a father. I didn't have the relationship of a father. I didn't have the go get him, son, you can do it of a father. I didn't have the, the embrace of a father. I had the physical abuse of a father. I had the alcoholism of a father. I had the drug-line cheating of a father. I had That's what I had growing up. So I didn't know what being a father was. And so if you told me, Brian, you need to be a father to your children, I didn't understand how that worked. The only thing I've seen as a father is a father that quits. Father throws in the towel. Father doesn't care. But when I allowed God to become my father, when I allowed Jesus to come in and take that residence on the inside of me, which understands he had to become wonderful, counselor, mighty God, then he could step into being an everlasting father. Because let me help you with something. If you allow him to be the father, you have to allow him to counsel you. (laughs) The worst thing that could ever happen between Judah and I, my son and I, is that my son does not receive what I bring to him. But I need to understand that in order for him to receive from me, watch here. See, because this all works in not just in biblical terms, but it also works in our walk as everyday believers. I don't need my son to be in awe of me. But I'm going to love him so hard and so deep that he is in awe of the relationship between him and I. Watch. Which brings me from the awe of, man, that's my dad. Which I never got, because I was always like, yeah, that's my dad. Oh, yeah, that, that guy, that, that guy. But I, my, I, I want that relationship with him. So he sees me and says, hey, dad, that's my dad. Do we not have this conversation? Have I not told you this? I want you to see me that way. Not because it feeds me, but because I know that I'm affecting a relationship with him. That he goes, that's my dad. I want him to be proud of me. Dads, can I get an amen from somebody? I want my son to be proud of me. Wonderful. Counsel. I want him to come and seek wisdom. Dad, will you pray with me? We did this just the other night, man. We had a prayer time in his bedroom the other night. Felt the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit showed up. I want him to come. Dad, I'm going through these things in my life. Dad, I'm struggling with these things in my life. Dad, we need to talk. I need, your, I need your advice in my life. Because he knows that I'm spending time in wonder with God. That I'm letting him be my counselor. That I'm letting him be my mighty God. So he as he sees me doing those things, he wants what I have, not who I am. So now I've walked into counselor with him. And then, and then together we get to celebrate how mighty God is. Because now we're seeing a demonstration in both of our lives. And then we walk into that place where everlasting father steps in. Now, Now, the reason I'm throwing this this line in with my son and I is because a year and a half ago, I had to have a conversation with him after a doctor's appointment that I had to go and sit down with him because of what the unfavorable report was in my life that said that I had three years to live. And I had to sit down with my 12-year-old at that point and express to him where we were headed and what things could be and how we needed to pray. One of the toughest conversations I've ever had in my life. To tell him that, son, if this doesn't work, you have to become the man of the house. And I know you can do it. And I spoke and I cried and we cried together. But here's the truth of it. He understood that if I'm not here, he is. I had to put his resolve, his relationship, his dependency, everything he was into God's hands, not his daddy's hands. Well, if my dad dies, what am I going to do? You're going to grab a hold of the hem of his garment and hold on, baby, and ride that ride till it's over. And you're going to see God do his greatest work in you. You don't need me to succeed, baby. You got God. He is your everlasting father. He's the eternal one. He's the one who doesn't quit. He's the one who doesn't fail. Let me say this to you. If you ever speak out of your mouth that God failed you, He didn't fail you. You walked out on Him. Amen. He's still standing right there, waiting for you. He says He's the everlasting Father. Earthly kings leave their people after a short reign. Jesus doesn't leave, He doesn't quit, He doesn't fail. Then He goes on in this last piece He goes, and He shall be called the Prince. Peace. This one out of all this message is the one that threw me the hardest because I've never studied this. How many of you in this room know of peace to be a presence, a feeling? I have peace. Okay, as I studied this, there is a difference between Old Testament peace and New Testament peace. Okay, Old Testament peace is the peace of God, that is a presence, it is felt. Jesus, when he came to the earth, he did not bring the presence of peace. He brought relational peace. Okay, watch. It gets really deep here real fast. It says he's the prince of peace. He is not the father of peace. He is the prince of peace. Now, you understand the prince is the son under the Godhead. Okay? He is the son to the father. Now, the Bible refers to Jesus as the elder brother. In, in Hebraic culture, in the Jewish culture, it is the responsibility of the eldest brother to reconcile the sibling back home. Okay? How many of you know the story of the prodigal son? Prodigal son, the son wants all of his promises, and he takes it and runs away. He leaves and spo- spends all of it, loses everything, comes back with nothing. His dad welcomes him, puts the ring, puts the robe on him, and throws the biggest party. And the oldest son is angry because he's like, I don't understand. I stayed here and served. I stayed here and done everything you've asked me to do. And he took everything and, and threw it away. And as I was reading that story, it hit me. The son wasn't upset about the party. The son wasn't upset about the blessing. The son was upset with himself because he did not fulfill his obligations. And that was to go get his brother. God saw us in our condition. He saw where we were. He saw that we were lost. He said, I'm going to send the prince of peace. I'm going to see the prince, the son of relationship. I'm going to send him down to reconcile those back to the father. Watch this. So when you walk in relationship with Christ, you find true peace. If you quarrel with people, it's because he's not the prince of peace in your life yet. If you find yourself in struggles all the time and you can't get along with people, you might want to check your relationship with Jesus first before you go check the people that don't like you. I just don't understand. I'm a nice person. Not with that face you're not. I don't understand why they don't like me because you scream too much. I don't understand. It's just all them. It's not me. It's not me. Yeah, it's you. I hate to say it. It's you. Your face either attracts people or it repels people. Amen. He said, I'm the prince of peace, not the father of peace. God brings the presence of peace. Jesus brings the reconciliation of relational peace between God and man. When this is our declaration, here, the, the, when these things, when we get into the place of wonder, awe, awe. Sometimes we got to sit here for a minute. Awe is not one moment. Awe is a lifestyle. When you woke up this morning, were you in awe that you were awake? See, we take it for granted. We just assume that we're going to wake up. Why is it we're not in awe that there's breath in our body this morning? Why are we not in awe that he is still on the throne this morning? Why are we not in awe that he hasn't destroyed everything because he has every right to? Why are we not in awe that he is operating in our lives? Why? Because we take everything for granted. I love what the true Jewish people say. They, when, they, when they walk into calamity, they celebrate they get excited. Here's why: because they believe that everything that happens is orchestrated by the Father, and it's an opportunity for God to show how big He is. What do we do? Ooh, panic. God, what's happening? Oh, Jesus, help us. God's going for real. Am I not the King of your existence? I am not the reigning. In, I'm not the reigning ruler of your life. Or am I just the visitation on Sundays? Ah, uh, you know, uh, being a kid that, that messed up a lot and went to jail numerous times. Um, there's nothing worse than talking to somebody through a, bla- through a glass wall. Unfortunately, that's a lot of times how the church treats God on a Sunday morning. It's just a visitation. As long as I know he's there, I feel better about myself, but you still don't have a relationship with him. He's there just to try to help you get through it, but you're not allowing him to take residence on the inside of you. I need to be in wonder. You need to be okay with sitting in wonder for a minute. But but God, Pastor, I want to see all these other things. I get it. Take your time. Slow down. It's it's, It's not a sprint. It's a marathon. Slow down. Learn how to be in wonder of who he is. If you're not daily expressing the wonderment of who God is, slow down. Go from wonderful to full of wonder and be in wonder of who he is. Then once you get that one really good, invite him to become the counselor. God, I need your advice. I don't want everybody else's. I need yours. I've been listening to the world for too long. Some of y'all need to turn off that dang social media stop watching it and listening to it. Dear God, Tiff and I have this conversation all the time. It bothers me. Everybody's like, Pastor, but I send you a message on Facebook. Don't get mad at me if I don't respond to your message on Facebook. It's I don't check the thing. I don't like the thing. I just don't. Why? Because it, it's, it, it's led too much into spaces that give it authority rather than God authority. So, so, so now he becomes my counselor. Okay, good. Now, to understand this, you're going to have to get a habit of letting him become your counselor, not a one-time moment of him becoming your counselor. You need to develop a habit of counseling with him. Counseling with him. Counseling, God, I'm going to sit at your feet. Can I just say this to you? However long you pray, you should probably listen for the same amount of period of time. So if you pray for an hour, I need you to sit in a room and listen for an hour. If you've got an hour to give up with all your belly aching and complaints, you better have an hour to listen to what he wants to tell you about all your belly aching and complaints. So after he becomes your counselor, then you're going to see him demonstrate his mightiness in your life, his might in your life. Do not ask for the might of God without him allowing him to be your counselor and you being in awe of him. Because it won't be his might. It'll be your might. <laughs> you will effectively call that his might and miss out on the fullness of what he has for you. Counselor or wonderful counselor, mighty God, watch everlasting father. This brings a space of eternity into play. When he becomes mighty God, I now walk into eternity. Oh, there's a promise in that. I've said this to people for years, over the last couple of years, that God kind of dealt with me. For years I had a fear, a morbid fear of death, morbid fear of death. The thought of not existing threw me for a loop. I would have anxiety attacks over just the thought of not existing. One night I was in prayer, and God says, you don't have a problem with death, you have a problem with life. I said, God, what do you mean by that? Why why do I have a problem with life? He said, if you knew who I was in you, then you would not ever fear death. You would be celebratory of not existing here because to be absent from this body is to be present with the Lord. Stop being in fear of life. It shook me to the core. And it changed every way I thought from that point forward. Because I stopped being afraid of death and I started celebrating life for all of it is life counselor wonderful counselor mighty god everlasting father mm, everlasting father prince of peace right relationship brought back into alignment he says these are everything he shall be called the government shall rest upon his shoulders and these are the things he shall be called this is what i love about scripture and pastor ben you can come on here's what i love about scripture god has a way of writing things in a way that we miss because what happens is, is that we miss the first five verses before we get to this statement. We want it, we want the power moments. Come on, work and we for a second. We all want the power moments of the word. We all want the power. But what we miss is the promise. He says these things. He says, he says in this scripture, he says, he says, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called. Wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Pastor, you preached a great message. I understand it now. Great. But until you start doing these things, these promises don't come to pass. Now, these promises were promised to the people of Israel, which I talked about last week, that if it was promised to the people of Israel and you're a believer in this room, that same promise now belongs to you. There was a covenant that was placed on Abraham, and whatever was placed on Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob belongs to you. That's biblical. So you can say, me too. Watch what he says. You ready? Now, this speaks to the culture that we live in right now. Watch this. I've never read this before. I've read this scripture a thousand one times, but i never read these verses before. Before, I've read them, but it never registered. Ready? I want you to just think about this for a second. If we as a people would do these things, if we would understand that unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, if we understand that the government will rest upon his shoulders, and if we start to operate in calling him wonderful, counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace, if we get all these things adjusted Here's what happens. The people who walk in darkness will see a great light. i just trying to help you. For those who live in a land of deep darkness, a light will shine. Who's going to become the light? You will enlarge the nation of Israel. I can't see people think people miss this one. Watch. You will enlarge the kingdom of God. And its people will rejoice. They will rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest and like warriors dividing the plunder. Y'all ain't mean to me. Y'all just like, huh? Here it comes. For you will break the yoke of their slavery and lift the heavy burden from their shoulders. You will break the oppressor's rod just as you did when you destroyed the army of Midian. The boots of the warrior and the uniforms bloodstained by war will all be burned. They will be fuel for the fire for a child is born to us. A son is given. The government will rest on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. What does that speak to the moment we're living in right now? What this says is, this is not about God doing a work. It's about you and I doing a work. We're just going sit here and wait for God. God, why aren't you doing it? God's going, why aren't you doing it? Where are we at? There's got to stop where we just wait for the perfect moments. Because if we don't, then the people will continue to walk in darkness and they'll never see the great light. Those who live in the deep land of darkness... They'll never see that light shine. The kingdom of God will continue to regress. The church will wither. God won't, but the church can. church is full of people. Watch me. The presence and the power of God never stops, but people can stop on God. But I love what it says here. It says, how many people do we know are walking in darkness right now? It says, if we'll do these things, They'll see the great light. What if I told you that that person you're trying to help see Jesus needs to see him in you first? Maybe you're the light that needs to shine so that others can see that light. Stop this little light of mine. Hide it under a bushel. No. Yeah, you put it under a bushel and you're keeping it because you're afraid that somebody might blow it out. Let it become the all-consuming fire so that the people who walk in darkness will see a great light. For those who live in a land of deep darkness, a light will shine. And when I read that, you know what God spoke to me? He said, those who are depressed and oppressed will come out. That's what he showed me. He said, those, y'all know what a battle of depression is in our country right now? Like it is at an all-time high. There are more suicides now than there have ever been. And it's all based around fear and depression. And God says, listen, if you will start operating this, I will cause people to walk out of their depressions. And you will be the source of leading them, not the source that they call on. You will be the source to lead them because as you follow Christ, they'll follow Him too. You'll enlarge the kingdom of God. Not the church. Not the attendance of a service. The kingdom of God. The people. The family of God. And they will rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest like warriors dividing the plunder. You'll break the yoke of slavery and lift every burden from their shoulders. Break the oppressor's rod just as you did when you destroyed the army of Midian. The boots of the warriors, this is a big one the boots of the warriors and the uniforms bloodstained by war will all be burned. War will cease. See, we keep saying, God, you're tagged, you're it. God said, I tagged you when I left. I tagged you in. When I left, when, I, when Jesus left the earth, when he ascended to the right hand of the Father, what did he say? Go, go and do. Go ye into all the world and declare the gospel. Declare the kingdom of God. This is declaring the kingdom of God. This is not to be whispered. This is to be called. This is to be shouted with a loud voice so that others might be saved. What if, and I know this isn't biblical, but what if the prerequisite to heaven was not how many church services you attended or how much you served within the local church? What if your access to heaven was dependent on how many people you brought with you when it was over? This is not a party for one. This is a party for many. Stop booking it as a party for one. Well, if I could just get to heaven, if I could just get to heaven, if I'm just worried about me, if I could just get to heaven. Let me say this to you. You're going to struggle with your walk with God if the only one you're concerned with is yourself. Because God was not built or put into this thing so you could pocket him and hold on to him like your own personal treat. He is so that you might give him away. The, fear, the, fear, the, the, the the wars will stop. But you have to get to that first place where you understand the gift that's been given. You understand that the government rests upon his shoulders. And you start calling him for who he is, not for who you want him to be. Everybody stand to your feet. Before anybody walks out of the room and has to go to the bathroom or whatever, hang loose for just a moment. Because a word like this sometimes can bring what some would call condemnation. But really that is just the conviction of the Holy Spirit. There has to come a point in our walk as believers that we stop just doing enough to get by. But we actually step into the fullness of what he's called and purposed us to do. You have to be willing to step into this thing without reservations. Well, what if what if it's not the popular thing? Or what if it what if it changes everything? Maybe you need everything to change. Well, what if it doesn't make it work the way I want it to work? It wasn't working the way you had it before. If you have to say that, it's not working now. But I sense it in this room by, by what I've said this morning. Some of you are just, man, I wish I'd have been doing it that way. Here's the great part about God God loves you enough to give you revelation. His rhema comes in to give you revelation. His logos is the written stuff. His revelation is the rhema. When the rhema comes, it doesn't come so you feel good. It comes to change you. It comes. And let me, let me say this to everybody in this room. God woke you up this morning, whether you like it or not, whether you believe it or not. God woke you up this morning and brought you here this morning for a purpose. Whether you were invited or you came on your own, whatever reason you're in this room right now, I need you to just understand this. Everybody in this room, you're not here because it's Sunday. You're not here because it's church day. You're not here because we're in the Christmas season. This is when everybody goes to church. You're here because there's a purpose for you to be here this morning. God says, I need to talk to you this morning, and I want to give you a word. And I just need you to understand that you're here because of his expectation on you in your life. He has a desire for you. That's why you're here not here because the church is cool. You're not here because people are cool. You're here because God is amazing. He's a wonderful God. And in that, now he says, now I'm going to bring a word that's going to bring change to your life. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to cause you to move forward, not move backwards. I'm done with you standing still. I'm done with you regressing. I'm calling you forward. Now I need to say this to you as a sidebar in this moment. I I need you to put down every excuse in this moment. But but, but God, but but God, but God, but God, but God. No, we're done with excuses. How many of y'all as parents get tired of excuses? How many of y'all have given God a lot of excuses? You think God's not tired of them yet? God's going, dear Lord, come on, another one? This isn't that hard. It only becomes hard when we keep making excuses. So God says today, I'm just calling you into a greater relationship. I'm calling you into one that first starts in how you see me. As a father, I get this one. I want my son to see me. I didn't know what it was like to have a relationship with a father. I don't want him to have the same pains. So it matters to me how he views me. Not so I can feel good about me. Because I don't want him to ever watch me walk away like my dad's did. He has to become wonderful counselor. Mighty God. Everlasting Father. Prince of Peace. And if you want to get to the Prince of Peace moment and you're not getting there, step back into Mighty God and let him keep working. You're not failing. Trust me, you're not failing. You might not ever fulfill or see that Prince of Peace for a long time. It's okay. He's working it out for your behalf. He is working it out. It's a season. It, it takes time. It takes seasons. It takes life. It takes ups and downs. It doesn't just happen. I know we want it to just pop. There it goes. I got all of it today. Uh-uh. Because there are times in my life where there I'm not functioning in Prince of Peace, baby. And then God goes, because you stepped away from seeing how mighty I was. Okay, I need to get myself back in check, God. I need to see you again. Or I stop letting you counsel me. Or, you know, what, God, I, 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 it's been a long time since I told you how wonderful you are. Can I, can I just do something real quick? I know I got you up on your feet, and I know I'm trying to wrap up. Judah, come here for a second. I'm not going to tell them all the details of our conversation, but come up here for a second. My wife and I, the other night, we, we, we came home. We felt like we were supposed to pray over our house. Y'all ever done that? If you don't, you need to. Amen. We anointed every doorpost in our house. We anointed every wall. I literally laid hands on every fiber. I stuck my hands in closets. I didn't care. I touched every wall in the house. My wife and I were praying over the house, and then immediately things started to move. Struggles started to show up real fast. And my son came home Wednesday night from youth group, and he said, Dad, why is it that teenagers can sit in a youth service and goof around and play on their cell phones? Don't they understand how important this is? Don't they understand? Because he told me that two nights before that, he had had a dream of the rapture. Two nights prior to that, he had had a dream of the trumpet sounding. He said, I didn't get to the third one, but I heard the first two. And he said, it shook everything on the inside of me. He said, Dad, this is crazy stuff. Here's what I believe. Wonderful counselor. Mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. I think it's moving in my home. And now he's speaking to him. He goes, dad, I don't understand why my, even sometimes my own friends are not, and I'm not trying to put you out, but I'm just going to say it because I was at the same place he was as a teenager. Why is it they, they, they just, it's, it's a game time for them. I said, son, you can only live by example. You can't force them in, but you can't waver. You can't waver. And then follow that a day later, we're in his room and we're talking and, When you pray, God starts to expose things that are going on. And I go into his room, and something happened, and can I just tell him? He lied to me about something that was just not worth lying about. And at first, I wanted to be angry as a father because I took it personal. Yeah, would you lie to me? What did I do? Me, 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 instead of realizing the struggle he was going through. And so as I sat across from him, I grabbed him by his hands and I said, Let's pray. Let's pray. We started to pray, and the presence of God showed up in that room. He began to weep and cry in that room, and we just began to just break the strongholds. Because whether you realize this or not, Daddy was a liar. And I'm not letting him go down like that. So we prayed. And he got up and I said, and he kept looking around the room and I said, We need to pray more. He went to pray over his bed. And this is what he did. This is how I know God was moving. He said, I plead the blood of Jesus over this room. See, y'all don't, you're like, oh, that's nice. Y'all don't have a clue. The Bible says that they wiped the blood of the lamb over the doorposts of the houses. And when the death angel came, it had to pass by. My son brought the blood of the lamb into his room. Oh, God, you don't feel it like I feel it right now. I looked at him and I, what I tell you, I said, we're going to be okay. We're gonna be just fine. Watch this. I have to make sure, come over here. I have to make sure, put your arm in mine. That until, watch this, because we had this conversation the other day. He's 13. According to Jewish culture, he's no longer a child, he's a man. I had 12 years to rear him, I had 12 years to teach him, I had 12 years to tell him about the power and the might of God. Now it's on his shoulders to walk in it. I can't force him. I can't make him. I told him this the other night. I said, you understand that you can't get to heaven and go, but dad, doesn't work anymore. God's going to go, you're now responsible. He goes, oh, God. So what I need to make sure is he goes, dad, it's not working. Are you in amazement of who he is? Are you in amazement of who he is? Good. Let's go over here. Are you letting him talk to you? seeing how big he is. You know, son, I might not always be here. in peace with man. Not in quarrels. And he shall become your peace. And out of all of that, you will become a light that shines. And those who are in darkness will come out. And those who are bound to slavery will be set free. Not because of you, but because the one that dwells in you. watch, watch. Do you feel that? Y'all think this is just some kind of whoo If you could feel what I feel and what he's feeling right now while we're standing here together, the presence of God is all over the stage. Stop trying to play visitation with it. Let it consume you. I've had some of the greatest conversations over the last four days with this boy. We went to school the other morning. He prayed on the way to school. Normally, daddy prays. I said, all right, Tag, you're it. Father, I just thank you for the day. <laughs> all right, Holy Ghost. Because here's what I know. When, Judah was pre- when Tiff was pregnant with Judah, I was trying to convince Tiff to name him Judah. She told me no. She said, no, we're not naming him Judah. I don't like that name. I went to God. I said, God, I'm not asking. I'm just going to go see you. You'll tell her. And that's the way it worked. We were sitting at a conference, a youth conference, because we were youth pastors at the time. And this is what happened. We were in a moment of worship. I closed my eyes and I saw a little boy sitting in tall grass holding on to a puppy that was dying. And I watched that little boy put his hands on that puppy and lay hands on it. And that puppy got up and took off. And he said, and that shall be your son. For every child that I've ever had, God's given me a dream. I met my daughter when I was in prison before I ever met Tiff. She looked at me in a dream and said, Daddy, I love you, but that can't be with you. That's not my mommy. Say what? Oh, I messed up now. That little girl is my hope. When Tiff got pregnant, Tiff, when I knew love was coming into the world, I was in prayer. And I had a dream in, I fell asleep in prayer. And I had a dream of a young girl walking down the street with long blonde hair, which was not any of my kids. And when I drove by her, as she was walking down the street, she looked at me and the face she made. It was like, hey, Dad, I woke up in a panic. <laughs> Two days later, my wife comes back to me. She said, I'm pregnant. Love was born with pitch black hair. Within weeks, it all turned blonde. That was number three. Number four, I was in prayer again. God said, there's one more. God, seriously, come on, man you got a lot of patience you're trying to teach me right now. He said, because I'm not done yet. I'm bringing in the fulfillment. I'm bringing in the other tribe. For his name shall be Asher. And he will bring fulfillment to my kingdom. Now watch, why am I telling you all this? Because none of this ever happens. Stay right there. None of this ever happens if I don't walk in wonder. Let him be counselor. Trust him to be a mighty God. Embrace him as my everlasting father and enjoy the moments that he brings as my prince of peace. I'm not doing this for me, I'm doing this so when I fade out, he can carry it. The greatest thing a father can do is not be seen, but brace. And push and encourage and strengthen a son so that he can accomplish the mandate on his life. Ah, it's time. Do you want to say anything? No? Okay. (laughs) That's his mama's side right there. At some point, we got to move forward. So if you're in this place without any head bow, without any eye closed, without any reservations in your chest, before we get to Christmas, if you need to be your wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, get out of your seat and come to this altar right now. Move. Like that. Move. If you feel it, move. Pastor, I don't want to be seen. I don't want... You need to be seen. That's the problem we're trying to hide. For the Bible declares, if you confess me before the Father, I'll confess me before men, I'll confess you before the Father. But if you deny me before men, I'll deny you before the Father. Pastor, that's mean. Well, that's truth. Why would we put off what God can do right now? Stop putting it off. Tomorrow's not promised. Embrace today. And let me just encourage you in one other thing. You might still be in your seat. If there are things in your life that are unholy, you need to get them holy. Stop dabbling, man. It's just going to kill you. It's not going to kill him. It's going to kill you. Stop playing. God's done with it. You need to be done with it too. Stand at this altar. Don't you just close your eyes right where you stand. If you're in your seats, will you stretch your hands towards the ones that are standing up here? Because this is how family does. We don't just watch. We participate. And wherever you're standing in your seat, will you begin to intercede over these people that are standing up here as if they're family, not as their attenders, not as their visitors, but their family right now? Pray over them right where you stand. Mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. so that's it. Yep. This doesn't need to be some woo moment. It already is. You're here. But the decision of this moment is not whether you came to the altar. The decision of this moment is what you do when you walk away from this altar. Will he go back to being the person we put on the shelf and we'll pick him back up on Sunday or tomorrow? morning, or even when I walk out and go to the restaurant or whatever I do today, He's the wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Will the government rest on His shoulders? (laughs) Will we finally unwrap the gift? Please don't get lost in the story that I told you of my son, because whatever happens in my house can happen in yours. He's no respecter of persons. What he does for one, he'll do for another. Do not think, well, because he's the pastor. That's why he does it. No, baby. We just had to step out in faith and trust him. Lay aside every weight that so easily ensnares us and press on towards the mark of the high calling, that which is in Christ Jesus. Even when it's uncomfortable, even when it's unpopular. Even when they don't get it. Dad, we're going to pray again? Yeah, we're praying again. Because as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. As for you and your house, you have to serve the Lord. From this point forward, don't look back. March forward. And he shall become your wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Father, I thank you for the word today. I thank you for what you've done in this house.